Good evening, folks, and welcome back to South of the Cheddar Curtain, back from the COVID reserve list. It's your boy, Devin Hine, sitting across from the table, as always, Mr. Luke Mueller. You want to say hi to the folks, Luke? Hello, folks. I want to start off with a big shout out to Mr. J.P. Lucero for filling in for me last week, as I think they went over. I happened to come down with that horrible Rona, Mm -hmm. but I am now back, good as ever. J.P. did a wonderful job in my place. I thought... Show was very impressive. It was a little different to hear it from, from a listener side of side of you. But I bet, I bet. I pro- think you did well. Yeah, you guys. I mean, you guys as a whole did great. JP filled in nicely. I'm happy to be back. I'm happy to have you back, bud. And also, very happy birthday to you. Thank you, sir. Thank you, sir. Today I turned 28. And let's just say my Green Bay Packers have me feeling 20 great. Oh God. <laughs> You're like, bring JP back. I'm sick of his <laughs> shitty jokes. Uh, take back everything we just said. <laughs> bring him back. I do want to say I have something, a little something for you at the end of the show. At the end of the show? Yeah. We'll go, don't worry. Don't worry. Just a little tease. A little tease for you. A little tease? You. For you and, and all the people that are not going to care listening. <laughs> they're going to care. I think they're pretty invested. <laughs> if you're still listening, you're invested in us at this point. This is true. This which, is true. Which we appreciate. Oh, yeah. We're a football podcast. So we should talk some football. I guess. So this past week... I guess we did play a game against the Vikings, but it didn't really feel like a game. Not really. I mean, we played football. We did. There was definitely a lot of football happening on the field. Correct. Uh, uh, I'm not sure they played a ton of football. Mm, no. Yeah. It, it was exactly what it needed to be. We got. We went in. We got the job done. We left. So our Green Bay Packers hosted the Minnesota Vikings, the at the time 7-8 and eight Vikings, who with a couple of wins, they could have got themselves in the playoffs. They were still in the picture. They were still in the picture. They were still alive. However, Monday before the game, their quarterback, Kirk Cousins, which, as I'm sure we know by now, my feelings about Kirk Cousins, Kirk Cousins spoke very openly and negative against COVID vaccines. I think he said something like, oh, if I got it, let me die. Or it was something super morbid. It was. It was, which is weird from a guy with, you know. A family and such. I'm sure they'd care, but I'm going to get off the soapbox and let you stand on. He's like frugal and I think religious. It just, it felt weird coming from him. So Kirk Cousins tests positive for COVID on Monday. And with the rule, with the new COVID rules, which I don't love all of them, but they are what they are. Mm -hmm. If he was vaccinated, he could have still played in this game. Yeah. There would have been a chance for him to play. You still got to pass the, the, yeah, there would have been a chance. Kirk Cousins has been someone who has always put up big numbers in the regular season, doesn't perform well in primetime, whether that's you know, you know, Monday night games or in the playoffs. Success has eluded him. He's been kind of the butt of a lot of jokes for a while. And a late playoff push could have been something to you know, bring up his reputation a little bit. And as the great Bill Belichick says, you know, your greatest ability is availability. An injury is hard enough to overcome in this league, and now the fact that, you know, this guy who spoke so openly against vaccines, against the vaccine, now he he can't potentially get his team to the playoffs because right. he wasn't vaccinated. I mean, it's it's ironic to say the least. I'm not bringing it up because I was happy he got it or anything. Of course not. I just had it. You know, it's destroying the field that I work in. It makes me you know a little fearful for the future, at least for the future right ahead of us. I'm hoping with more vaccines, we do get a hold of it. But anyways, nothing against Kirk. I just, I couldn't help but point out the irony. 
That's fair. That's fair. Obviously, we have had our own problems, to say the least, but they have not been uh, quite as detrimental, right? We're a good enough team to, to not have Aaron for a game. And obviously, we still made the playoffs quite easily. We did. But uh, we definitely know what that feels like to a certain extent. So it doesn't make a lot of sense to me, some of the decisions being made, but it is what it is. And I'm saying it again. Everyone has the right to their decision, but as we have opinions on the show, we're going to express those opinions, and that's what we're doing. Absolutely. So, as we said, you know, there was a game of football that took place, but you could just tell body language and how the Vikings played. They knew it was over pretty much from the get-go. Ended up being a 37-10 to score, but it, it felt a lot more wide open than that. There was never, for a second, did you ever feel that, we were not going to dominate this game, right? The Vikings kind of came out strong because that's what we let every team do. And we kind of came out weak because that's what we do every week. But after that, no. I mean, it was pretty clear what was going to happen. They had that first drive where they had a lot of play action routes to Tyler Conklin, which kind of gives me like a Tom Crabtree, Justin oh. Perillo kind of feel. I mean, he looks a lot like Tom Crabtree but just visually on the field. Where he's not the most athletic guy and somehow – you just kind of forget about him because mm-hmm. there's stronger weapons on the field, like Justin Jefferson, which we did a nice job covering him up. So I'm glad it was Conklin getting catches instead of Jefferson. Anyways, yeah, it didn't feel like the Vikings had much of a chance. No. And like you said, we felt secure the entire game, which is something that, despite our record, has eluded us for a lot of this year. Yeah, there have been a lot of games where it's gone back and forth or we've kind of had to wrangle the game away or just kind of hold on for a couple quarters that's been the last couple weeks at this point um so it was nice to kind of just get out front stay out front and then uh keep it that way right have no concerns going in get jordan love a little play time love it you love it you love seeing some love i didn't even mean to pun intended on my end don't even <laughs> don't even care i'm taking on that one all right offensively yeah yeah so offensively obviously first and foremost Rodgers looked great again, right? I think that's fair to say. He had a couple more absolute dimes to Devontae, who had a great game. I mean, he's just, he's insane. Together. They're just not fair. Did you hear what Aaron texted Devontae midweek before the game? So Devontae uh, revealed to the nation that him and his wife were like going out to dinner or something. And Aaron texts Devontae saying something on the lines of, you know, I've played with a lot of greats but you are the best. And you mm. think about it, he's played with Woodson, Favre, just to you know, name a couple. Peppers is up there as well. Matt Flynn. <laughs> Sorry, it's my birthday, folks. Might get some bad references in here tonight. Jeff Janis. Obviously Jeff Janis. Devontae probably looked at his wife and was like, you might need to drive. Yeah. Because I, I think he said he cried, dude. Yeah, yeah like, he was tearing up. Like, that's a, that's a big statement to say, and it's... Nice to hear that it was that impactful. It meant that much to him. Their relationship on both ends is so genuine, and it's so great to see, right? It really is. I mean, you talk about the relationship between quarterback and wide receiver all the time. Rodgers has had some really great ones over the years. Him and Cobby, right? Calls him one of his best friends. Obviously, him and Jordy. Love me some Jordy. Who doesn't love some Jordy? Exactly. Shout out to Jordy in Kansas right now. If you don't unsubscribe immediately continue (laughs) that's fair that's fair i'm not sure we can lose any at this point but that's fair but he builds 
relationships with wide receivers. That's something that's very important to Aaron. So the kind of relationship he has built with Devontae is one that you clearly see the effects of on the field. Those back shoulders, those crazy little, he just kind of looks over at them and they change the play on their own just with that eye contact. Like it's nuts what those two can do together. Twin telepathy. They basically have it at this point. Like he trusts Devontae to just kind of make up his own route. He'll figure it out. It's just wild to think about. But he had a couple of those catches. I know they talked about on the broadcast quite a bit. The late hands thing, that's something they brought up, um, I'm, which I think he does better than anybody, right? You just like don't really put your hands up to catch it. There was that one on the sideline that he just kind of let drop into him. And if I may, for the folks listening at home, the reason why late hands is important, so Devontae being the route runner that he is, he'll often have the guy who's covering him in the trail position, right? Because Devontae is so good with his footwork. So this guy is going to be not looking for the ball. He's just looking. He's staring at Devontae. So a lot of receivers, when you see the ball, your eyes get real big, and then you throw your hands up, and the defensive back knows, okay, now it's my time to throw my hands up. And if you time it properly as a DB, you can bat the ball away in completion. Luke bringing up late hands means that Devontae is able to bring his hands up so abruptly. He can do it at the very last second, so then when the corner throws his hands up, the ball's already passed. Exactly. Exactly, and that one thing was down the left side. Line. I mean, he like didn't even put his hands up. He just that thing dropped right into the breadbasket. Great throw by Aaron. Great catch by Devontae to keep it that way. Again, how many quarterbacks can make that throw? It's it's insane. I mean, the level that those two are playing at right now, absolutely incredible. And Devontae's got a chance to break the receiving record next week. I don't know how I feel about the whole receiving or any sort of record now with this 18-game season. I think Cooper Cup said it best. Uh-huh. Or, yeah, it's 18 games now. Mm-hmm. Cooper Cup said it best. Well, that, 17 games, 18 weeks. Thank you, Luke. I can still blame, even if I'm over my COVID, I can still blame <laughs> every little short lapse on COVID brain. Yeah, we'll go with that. And will for months. So get ready for that, folks. Cooper Cup said in an interview, because I think he's approaching, I want to say the receptions record. Mm-hmm. And he said something about, like, there needs to be an asterisk if you break the record now in an 18-game schedule, 17-game schedule. Yeah, I think that makes perfect sense. It's We've done this before. Not us. We weren't alive. But when the schedule went from 14 games to 16 games, right? Feels like I was around back then. Okay. <laughs> 14 games to 16 games. Um, yeah, you're going to naturally break records, right? The rushing record will fall at some point. Not this year, obviously. But a lot of the passing records will fall. All the kind of counting stats at some point will just because that extra game. I mean, that's, that's a lot of time. Significant. We could do the it math is. about it, but I don't want a headache tonight. Absolutely not. We're not going to get into the percentages. Go listen mm-hmm. to another podcast for that. <laughs> this isn't a math <laughs> show, folks. <laughs> Absolutely not. So, running backs. I want to bring up running backs. Did you notice anything that we may have been asking for for weeks at this point that we saw in this game? There's a lot to love out of the running back position. Absolutely. Luke has been banging on the table. As I'm sure a lot of Packer Nation has, and as I have to a a lesser extent, to see Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon in the backfield together. Mm -hmm. The amount of creativity we can have with jet sweeps, with just different looks, whether you bring one on the inside, one on the outside. We saw a lot of different looks. Probably the most we have all season. Would you agree? I would agree, which is interesting that it was this game because we didn't need to. 
but I loved it. We did do a jet sweep with Aaron Jones. It was beautiful. Didn't do much, but it was beautiful. What do we always talk about? What does it give them, Luke? One more thing to prepare for. Exactly. I believe we saw AJ Dillon lined up as a fullback. I mean, I'm, I'm here for all of it. I want all of the creativity with those two on the field together because you never know what's going to happen given their versatility. Either one can go out for a route. Either one can run up the middle. Either one can kind of run outside. So many options with those two. And A.J. Dillon's a big dude. He could play fullback if he had to. I mean, it's not somebody you're you're hoping comes and blocks you. He's going to run you over anyways. He's going to make you feel about it tomorrow too, exactly. right? You think about the cold weather. No one likes being out in the cold. Mm-mm. I don't. It's terrible. You know, you hit your hand in your car door or something and it hurts because it's cold outside. Yeah, A.J. Dillon is 200-something pounds. Mm-hmm. And he makes you think about it. And you're going to feel it tomorrow. We talk about how we use our backs, right? I think this is probably the best we've used them, not only with putting them both on the field together, but this is probably the best Aaron Jones has looked all season. Eight carries, 76 yards. And I think we use the term in our texts, thrasher. Yeah, I mean, he looked really explosive, just taking chunks out of the defense, which I love. And you're right. It's the best we've utilized them because Aaron Jones also got a lot of pass work. I think he had five catches or something like that. So that's that's a beautiful way to utilize him. So he got his 13 touches, which obviously you you kind of hope is more, but towards the end of the game, you know, Patrick Taylor gets in and all that kind of stuff. Who even Patrick Taylor? Patrick Taylor did a little truck stick. And I was he like, did. good for you, son. He did. Good job, good sir. Good for Patrick Taylor, right? We love seeing production out of RB3. Hasn't always happened over the years. We've struggled with production out of RB1 over the years <laughs> definitely rb2 so this is if we can be talking about rb3 that's great and it's not even kylan hill this is actually rb4 touche good point because i would expect this out of kylan hill but yeah great division of work obviously we used aj Dillon to kind of just chew the game away towards the end there which was great also great for my fantasy fantasy team thank you very much for that but great utilization getting them involved in different ways, all the different looks we ran. I think that's what we're going to see going forward. I hope anyways. It was great to see. And it was just great that both of them had such a good night. I feel like for a lot of the season, it's been A.J. Dillon going off. And then they wonder how Jones is doing, if he was banged up or just not involved as much. But this really felt like, even if the carries were definitely more in Dillon's favor, they just equally had like a big of impact. I would completely agree. And using them in different ways and all that, which was which was great. Another person who had a really good game was Alan Lazard. We got to bring him up. He's had a string of them at this point. Oh, yeah. So I also caught Devontae postgame, and he was talking about, like, you know, now Aaron's at the point with him where it's a, if it's a 50-50, if it's a one-on-one, he's just going to toss it up. And Lazard has been, to compare to MVS accidentally, he's been mossing people. He's yeah. been going up and over on 50-50 balls and saying, that's mine, I'm going to get that. You add that to his game? You add that to this offense? Mm -hmm. Where he's no longer just a tight end out there blocking, but he's going up again to the ball using that giant frame of his? I mean, the possession receiver and just gnarly blocker that he is, Mm -hmm. lesser extent explosively, but he's got some Heinz Ward in him now where he's just consistent and dependable, right? Obviously, we have Devontae. And then Cobb, when he comes back, I mean, that, that guy's just Mr. Third Down King. MVS going deep down the field. But the emergence of Lazard this season, I think, is something that we cannot underappreciate. 
And I think it's it's been interesting, right? Because we saw some of this last year, right? We, he had a couple big games last year, especially with Devontae out. But he was kind of quiet to begin the year, right? He All of his really good games have come recently, which has been super important because we haven't been getting a ton out of anybody else outside of the backfield. You know, no one else has really, truly stepped up in the way I think we would hope for, including your boy. Um, he's had a good game here or there. But I think that I would have hoped to see more out of him. Lazard's kind of filling that role currently. Yeah, I didn't really see much out of MVS this game. I mean, listen, you know I love my boys, and I'll always talk about them. And when they're doing something great, we all know you're going to hear about it. But also if they're a little, a little underwhelming. But there's a few times where Rodgers sees that he's one-on-one with somebody, and the corner gives the guy a lot of respect, and Rodgers seems to always overthrow him in those spots. I think there's been like one instance I can think of where the cornerback was not in press coverage. He was like five or 10 yards off and Rogers throws a 50 attempts to throw a 50, 50 and it actually is a 50, 50 and uh, Marquise didn't get it. But a lot of these throws where the cornerback is off, Rogers seems to overthrow and they just yeah. look ugly. And then MVS doesn't look, get looked at for like a quarter or two. No, I agree. And that happened again. Right. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> but it just, it seems weird that at this point they still don't have their timing down. Cause especially because it felt like they did earlier in the year. So I don't really know what's going on with that. Obviously, regardless, he's an important part of the offense. That speed, that's something you can't teach, something no one else on the on the field has really. So he's an important part, but he's just not showing up in the stat sheet. He's not getting a lot of balls thrown at him recently anyways. I wonder also as well, like, is maybe are some of these, they're not arm punts like inter- interception arm punts, but like some of these where he overthrows them, maybe it's on purpose. Like, he was the read on that play, and no one else is open, so I can just throw it in the general vicinity, and either somehow he has a great acceleration burst, or it's incomplete. Yeah, he's putting it just out of reach, and you never know. That, that's a good point. That's a good point. Talking about your boys disappointing, though. I'm glad you take it away here. So when one of us calls something, even if it's weeks or months ago, it needs to be brought up exactly. And when Big Bob, McHenry's own, Robert Tunyon, yep. when he went down with his injury... Luke and I were discussing the should-be-obvious replacement, Josiah DeGuar, and Luke was a little skeptical about Josiah's ability to uh, go down the seam, which is a big part of being a tight end, and spreading the field vertically. Mm -hmm. Because that's what Big Bob did for us. That's what Big Bob could do. And in the first quarter when the Packers were driving, Aaron threw the ball right into the lap of Josiah, probably with like a 20, 25-yard touchdown, down the seam, right in the middle. And Rodgers hit him right in the numbers and Josiah just dropped it he didn't even attempt to catch it the correct way you know he had his hands facing the wrong direction I'm gonna trust you on that one because I didn't go to the replay (laughs) you don't want to (laughs) big surprise he's kind of trying to basket catch it but it it, the ball placement you can't do that you gotta have palms out you know form a triangle with your with your fingertips that's really the only way to catch a ball in, in the area that it was thrown it was a good ball very catchable it just it looked awkward from him. Yeah, and that's that's exactly, and you brought it up in our text, so I appreciate that. <laughs> uh, give me a little credit. But that's exactly what I've been worried about with it. That's the piece that's been missing, I think, at least from that position. We haven't missed it a ton as an offense, but from that position. I think the shitty thing about that play is, too, that it's not even like a 50-50 ball, right? You think of a lot of tight ends going down the seam. You think of using your verticality, like your vertical height. Right. 
to be able to go up and, you know, go up and over maybe the linebackers and then make sure you're tall enough to prevent the ball from going to a safety on an overthrow. But that wasn't even the case. He wasn't out physical. He just didn't catch the ball. Correct. Which is a little upsetting. Uh, But I think we've also talked about, you know, Lazard getting more looks and getting more involved in the offense is probably a product of Robert Tunyon being out, right? We're not (laughs) not just trying to one-for-one replace Big Bob with Josiah. That even if Lazard is lined up technically as a wide receiver, he's often in the slot. He's often right off the tackle. He's... He's more in line than you would think from a traditional wide receiver. Exactly, exactly. I think the more apt replacement physically is probably Tyler Davis. He's really the only one that seems to fit that mold. Um, Two catches, nine yards, getting involvement. I I, I didn't say he did great, but... He's doing something, man. He is, and I'll take it honestly. But, like, Dominique Daphne is, is a fullback. At least that's his body type at this point. Obviously... Big dog <laughs> Devin's face right now. I was thinking the same thing, but I'm trying to shit talk a little bit less. Sorry, Dominique, but show us something, please. So Dominique is essentially a fullback. Big dog's essentially a tackle. Dominique's also number 49, I believe. You're in the 40s. Fullback number. Unless you're Dallas Clark, you're a fullback. Exactly. That's just the way it works. Um, so yeah, the, we really don't have a guy even in, in kind of the same athletic sphere as Big Bob. So, besides Tyler Davis. So, it's interesting. It's interesting to see how we kind of utilize those guys. Josiah, to his credit, has had some big games this year. He's shown up. Uh, <clears throat> There's just not necessarily in those more traditional, what we've seen seen the last couple of years out of Big Bob, uh, route trees at this point. But that's okay. That's okay. Production. I'll take it at this. I'll take it. As renting the home stretch, I feel better about him as a whole now than I did when Big Bob went out. Absolutely. He has definitely shown enough that when the ball gets thrown to him, I don't cringe. That's all we can ask for. That's all I can ask for as he being one of my quote-unquote boys. Exactly. So, to defense we go. I think after playing Cleveland and Nick Chubb running all over us, we're lining up against this Vikings team despite the fact that they would not have Mr. Kirk Cousins. You know, when we played them last year, you're still thinking this is going to be primarily a running attack based offense Mm -hmm. that being said Dalvin Cook still ran for over 200 yards against us last season so the fact that we were able to hold him in check after we were gashed by Chubb last week was a big win for us absolutely they have different schemes like they have different they go about running slightly differently um, from an offensive line and schematic standpoint maybe just that that kind of Chubb those blocking schemes really give us problems but at some point I don't care we stopped the run. Devin, who was the leading rusher for the Vikings? Second coming of Michael Vick, Sean Mannion. <laughs> Which, if you guys saw his run, looked painful and awkward, like a, like a Peyton Manning fake or a Brady fake. 100%. If you've ever seen them run, it just looks <laughs> awful. And not even their runs were as bad as Sean Mannion's was. Hey, he had a long of 11 yards. The wheels, man. The wheels. I feel like we're still watching an 11-yard run because it took forever. <laughs> But yeah, Dalvin Cook, nine carries, 13 yards. So uh, you can't do any better than that. I understand that we got out on him a little bit at a certain point, you know, second quarter on. But we started slow enough. They could have really, if the ground game was dominant, you know, or up to snuff for them, they could have gotten something going. We weren't up 14, 21, nothing, you know, 
not right out the gate. So they had time to kind of build up to that, and they just couldn't. They could get nothing going. So shout out to the D-line. It felt like Dalvin Cook was looking for holes in a few different spots, and every single spot he went to, it was it was full, right? Guys were playing really good sound gap integrity with a yep. back who's a slasher like Dalvin Cook is. Really important that you stay home, you fill your spot, you you do your 111th, as so many coaches say. And it was great to see our boys bounce back from from that Browns game. Yeah, and I, I especially love seeing Gary and Preston had had pretty good contain this week, mm-hmm. which is great. Um, Dalvin Cook's definitely somebody that can kind of bounce outside. He's got the quickness and speed to do that to you. Killed us before in the playoffs. It absolutely has. Twice. So they they were able to have, keep a little bit better gap integrity, I think. They both had two tackles for loss apiece. That's a good game, right? They also had a sack each, so great game for both of them. Um, and then if they can keep that contained and get some pressure on the outside, you just need the big guys in the middle to be in the way. Just eat the blockers, let Devondre Campbell find the whole tackle and Chris Barnes. Cause he did. He had a good game as well. Yeah. Chris Barnes is out thumping folks, which is awesome. That is his job. He also was good in coverage too. Like, I don't even remember who it was. Maybe Conklin was either tight end or fullback. It wasn't somebody who was an impressive athlete, but they ran a little out route and Barnes ran it and just, Hit sticked him. And that's all. Forced an completion. It was great. That's all I want. That's all I want. Yeah, seeing him do a pass breakup is, I don't want to say it's a miracle. Like he's a bad athlete, but that's not what he's known as. No. So just give me something in pass coverage, and I'm happy. But what I love, and I think we've talked about this before, is him compared to our old thumpers. Oh, like Antonio Morrison or Goodson or even. Who was the other one? We're missing one. Bishop. I, I thought that even more recently, right? We had another one in between. Goodson? Morrison, Morrison, Morrison played for like a week. (laughs) He did, but compared to all those guys, Chris Barnes is a much better athlete. First off, and second off, not a complete liability in coverage. No, not in the slightest. If anything, he's a sure tackler, so I feel like they understand that with his assignments, where he's usually taking like a middle zone Mm -hmm. or something to tackle somebody underneath. I feel like we've seen him in third and long situations. The ball is dumped off and dumped off, and Chris Barnes is more than happy to make the tackle. Exactly. Exactly. So feel really good about those inside backers. Devontra Campbell had another really good game. Before we leave the outside backer. Okay. Speaking of Preston and Gary and Jonathan Garvin and Tipa and all those boys. You know something else that I saw this weekend? What else did you see this the weekend? Sunday night's game? I saw Zadarius Smith oh, on the sideline. Yeah, he was. Getting hype for his boys. You know, there's all that drama with him being snuffed as a captain and taking the Packers off his Instagram and all that stuff. He felt like the hype man again. He did, and that was kind of his thing, right? He brought the energy to the defense. I think he's going to be back. I hope. I mean, we'll we'll talk about our boys collectively coming back, I think, later. Uh, but, yeah, that would be great. And even him on the sidelines is probably a pretty big boost. Just seeing him on the sidelines, cheering on the guys. Love to see that. Great to see it. Love to see that. Like I mentioned, I feel like I should say it again. Preston and Gary, really good games. Gary has really come on recently. I think, you know, as he goes down, Gary's not the same kind of player. He's not the same level or pedigree of pass rusher. He's much better in the run game and keeping contained. But the fact that he's getting more sacks, he's getting a lot of pressure on the quarterback, even when he's not getting home. That's effective. That's really all we need from him at this point. But he's proving he can get home, get those sacks, rack up those numbers. 
and I'd love to see his continued growth. I think he's he could be a monster in a year or two. And I know he's a couple years in already, but we knew he's a raw prospect to start. If he can keep adding to that arsenal, he could truly be a dominant pass rusher. Yeah, a couple years in, it's a lot easier to say that he was the better choice over Brian Burns. Yeah, Burns was much more is much more flashy, without a doubt, and came with a very good skill set to do one particular thing. I think Gary's the better overall player. Yeah, raw prospect, definitely had the nail on the head there, and we're we're seeing the results, mm-hmm. the dividends of this investment. Exactly, which is partly probably why we're not going to see Z back next year, but it is what it is. Yeah, the emergence of Gary, I think, makes that divorce a little bit easier. And Preston stepping up. Yeah, Preston's been big, honestly, and he was always, you know, Preston's Darius, if you guys remember, they always did the press conferences together, right? And Preston was getting double teamed. So, I mean, I'm sorry, Zedarius would get double teamed. So Preston would get, you know, one guy covering him. And it just always felt like that Preston was Robin, you know, and Zedarius was Batman. And then this year, Batman goes down and Robin's had to step up and he has done a wonderful job. He's played great. He's played great. Um, He's not getting 16 and a half sacks like Zedarius did. He's not the same kind of player. But he's clearly become a leader on that defense. I was just going to say leadership. You yep. can't put a price on that. You absolutely cannot. That married with his on-the-field play stepping up, especially from last year, looking more like he did two years ago. Mm-hmm. Gary coming to play, bringing a little bit more this year. feel pretty good about that room. We'll get into it later, but if Zedarius does come back, I'm going to say he's better than Tip and Jonathan Garvin. Yeah, probably. <laughs> I love you both. You guys have been great. Been great. All right. So let's talk about... The Lions. No. Oh, what's next? I gotta, I gotta be mad at Savage again. Oh, yeah. Stop Go catching away. receivers, Savage. That's not your job. Stop catching them. Yeah, he's regressed these past couple weeks. It's infuriating. There are certain times where that's the smart move. If you're the last dude back there, and it's just you by yourself, and there's 50 yards of grass behind you, it makes sense. Make the tackle. Don't do what you did with Jamar Chase. Don't go be super aggressive and try to break it up. Guaranteed touchdown if you miss. However, in the end zone, or even particularly close to the end zone. He really does it in the end zone, like only. <laughs> he does. He's a real end zone hugger, that Darnell Savage. Try to break up the ball. You just like caressing them down to the ground helps nobody. You're not even break try, trying to rip the ball out. You're just catching them. Yeah, it's amazing how he goes from so aggressive like you said, sometimes overly aggressive. Yeah. Just being a nice, give you a hug in the end zone, make sure you just come down with the ball safe and sound. What a great guy that he is, clearly, at this point. No, I want you to be a goddamn savage, Darnell. <laughs> Live up to the name, sir. Try something. I mean, even if you miss and they catch the ball, it's a touchdown. Cool, fine, whatever. You catching them, there's no upside there. Die on your feet. Don't live on your knees. <laughs> True words, Devin. True, true Make words. Make a play. Don't be scared of failure. This is true. And also, before we go on to the Lions, we have to bring up Packer Hall of Famer. The man that has single-handedly resurrected an entire third of the game for us. David Moore, thank you very much for joining the team and catching a punt. How did I almost forget about David Moore? I don't know, honestly. 
We talked about him right before we came on. We did. Maybe I thought that was part of the show. That it wasn't just us just talk, talking and catching up. Yeah, Mr. David Moore, he had zero muffed punts. Zero. I feel like we should have been keeping that track of that as a stat the entire season. <laughs> so, Mr. David Moore, who is a formal Seattle Seahawk. I mean, he's bounced on a few teams, but I know him as a Seattle Seahawk. Correct. Felt a little awkward when we brought him in because... Sea chickens and all that. Sea chickens. We're not big fans of that team. But Mr. David Moore not only caught the ball, as in not muffed the ball, he had a couple of nice returns. He averaged 11 yards per return. We haven't done that in years. Years. Okay, little Tyler Irvin, but besides him, I mean, just years. Outstanding work by him to not be awful. To just be an average to slightly above average returner. Thank you very much, David Moore, for showing up. Okay, but I'm hoping this isn't his only game, as I was telling Luke, which is now apparently before the show, because we haven't <laughs> talked about him yet. My apologies, folks. David Moore was added to the COVID list, I believe it was Monday, just right after the game. And there were a few other guys that were added to the list, and based on the verbiage that I read, it looked like that David Moore was maybe brought back down to the practice squad, which I would think is a very poor choice. I would take him over Malik Taylor or Rogers, and we're... St- we had suited one one of them up, if not both of them, every single game. Mm-hmm. So if we do not suit up uh, more and suit up one of those two instead, that is a massive oversight, and I will not be happy. I agree completely. Um, he's proven he can do the one, our biggest bugaboo on special teams at this point, because Mason's been the Silver Fox, has been great recently. Knock on wood. Uh, <laughs> Several times to keep that going. Um, but he single-handedly gave us a return game. So something that Malik Taylor and Amari Rogers have both failed to do already this year. Just just let David Moore go back there. You know, don't activate one of the other two to send him back down. Please leave him on the 53. Let him dress. Let him return punts. And that's it. Also, he was an actual player. For the Seahawks? He was receiver three or four for a bit and saw significant snaps. Correct. So he's capable. He's still young. I mean, he's not even an old guy. He's 26. He's younger than we are at this point. But Ugh, vomit. <laughs> I know, right? But he he's a he's an actual NFL player. Yeah, if he's receiver four or five, which he would be, I'm I'm not feeling bad about that. I would no. take him over Malik Taylor or Mario Rogers in the passing game as well. Yeah, I would agree. I'd I'd keep Winfrey above him. At the moment, anyways. But that's that's fair. But I think that's probably the word with where the line is. At the moment. Yeah, that I makes sense. That's fair. We're good with that. That's that's a plethora of riches if he's our number five, six. I'm not counting that far. Once again, math. Math. Wrong podcast. This isn't a math podcast, folks. <laughs> if you want to go somewhere else. Now we can talk about the Lions. However, when we start with the Lions, I want to put about? this in context a little bit. So, first of all, I was, thinking, I was gonna I was gonna do context for this game, but all right, go away. We don't know who's playing or if we're gonna try. So we believe, right? People have come out and said that they're gonna play. We're gonna play the starters. We don't really know for how long it's gonna be like a preseason game, first quarter, second quarter, what have you. So I'm gonna start with this. What would you like to see happen if you're Matt LaFleur? What's your plan going into the game? My biggest thought process with this game is out of our, what, our four or five marquee guys that have been out, 
Zedarius, Jair, Bakhtiari. I think it's those three seem to be the ones that are closest to returning. Oh, actually, Cobb as well, so that's four. Yeah, Myers just got uh, designated to return, but we got a couple Ooh. weeks on him. Yeah. That's huge. Without yeah. Myers, is dead. That's great to hear. All right, so everybody except for Josh Myers sounds like they've been practicing at least, mm-hmm. right? What I would like to see is you return all of them yep. for a series, maybe two at most, and that's it. Granted, all of these guys, Bakhtiari, Jair, Cobb, who else did I say? Zedarius? Zedarius. These guys have like, are either all, like all pro or just seasoned veterans like Cobb. I mean, if we decide not to play them, do I think they'd probably be fine in the postseason, you know, for the first time playing in months? Yeah, probably. But if I was Matt LaFleur, like the question asked, I would give them all a drive or two. And then I would put in Jordan Love, Patrick Taylor, Winfrey, put in Tipa and Garvin, put in Henry Black and Vernon Scott, like nobody who is highly important to the success of this team. Hell, put Kevin King on the bench. Can't lose him. I don't think we have enough corners to put him on the bench. Put Ty Summers at linebacker. Put put Campbell on the bench. Uh, Ty Summers and Orenberg, because they can play. Dean Lowry can get Lowry and Lancaster and Heflin can be the holy trinity at the defensive line. <laughs> Isaac Yadam. A.K.A. Josh Jackson. Yeah. God, that wasn't... Talk about trading for yourself. <laughs> They're the exact same player. Ugh. Doesn't deserve the number 24 jersey. That's what I would like to do. What about okay. you, Luke? You're Matt LaFleur. I'm Matt LaFleur. Um, I think I'd play him a little longer. Uh, I do believe that getting spending so those guys back and playing with the ones, because I think that's going to be super important, uh, would be my goal. Because some of these guys, yes, David Bakhtiari knows what he's doing up there, obviously. Jair knows what he's doing in the back end. Not, not what concerns me, but what I want to make sure is good to go is the communication between them and players they may not be familiar with playing alongside them. When you mentioned Jair, I was just thinking about in our secondary, in our zone coverage, when we do the switches, like he's never played with Razul. He's never, I mean, he barely played with Stokes, but. Did he even really? Because Stokes was number three at the time. Yeah. So. And then how Amos and Savage do things in this defensive scheme, of course, you know, as the season's gone on. Yeah. Things change. So get that communication down. Same with David, right? You got John running junior next one. That's not Jenkins. It's not. We got a different center in, right? Yeah. Everybody's different on the line at this point. You got Dennis Kelly. You got Royce Newman. So at least he's been the same to start the year. But David's never played with Royce Newman. He's a rookie. Mm -hmm. So I think a lot of that communication we need to get, make sure is fine. I'm not worried about it. But get make sure that's solid. Just tap the dust off a little bit. Yeah, so I I think the goal would be come out, guns blazing, all gas, no brakes for a quarter. That was very the floor of you. Good job. There you really go. embracing the role. Thank you. Thank you. Try to get into character. Um that's what I would want. Go up twenty one nothing in the first quarter, rest everybody. I want to see Jordan Love. That It's a very big game for Jordan Love. So speaking of Jordan Love, there's another angle to this game which we need to dive into. I'm ready. So if we take my theory, where the starters play a minimal amount of time, mm-hmm. Jordan Love, 
after his you know rough start against the Chiefs, has another opportunity to show what he can do. Right. Let's just say we give him three quarters of the game, right? You know, there was another time in one's memory where a certain Packers backup quarterback, number 10, was thrust into a game against the Lions. A meaningless game against the Lions. Luke is nearly <laughs> pissing himself laughing so hard. So, back in January 1st, 2012, I was at this game when our Green Bay Packers played the Detroit Lions in Lambeau. The greatest day of Devin's life. Probably top five. <laughs> this is when I was completely a Mad Flynn fanatic. I was probably the only person that can say that. And you that's, still are. That's okay. Uh, I think the Packers had home field advantage locked up. And... Yeah, yeah, it was the it was the fourteen one year, fifteen one fifteen one year. Yeah. yeah, Chiefs, damn it. And we didn't know that Flynn was going to be starting over Rogers, and I'll never forget that when they announced that Flynn was starting, this little kid right in front of me started crying, and I was like, "If only you knew what was about to happen." <laughs> I don't know how I thought that, or it was just my my pain optimism at the time. But Matt Flynn made me a prophet. He did because he went on and threw for four eighty and six touchdowns, which are both. Green Bay Packer records. They are. So, Matt Flynn gets, not released, but doesn't get re-signed in the offseason, and then he goes to Seattle where he signed a three-year deal worth for $20.5 million. Didn't start a snap for them. They picked Russell Wilson in that draft, and that was the end of that. So, Matt Flynn got paid a shitload of money for doing nothing. So, the reason I bring this up now is if Jordan Love can play well enough, let's just say he lights it out. There's no way he's getting 40 and six touchdowns. A, he's not Matt Flynn. He's not even close. <laughs> B, whether they go more my route or your route, he's not going to have enough time to do that. No, he's not going to get the whole game. So, he's not going to put up that sort of numbers, but he could still put up a good enough performance where maybe he could be trade bait, right? Yeah. There are reports this week that make us believe that Rodgers is more likely to Come back to the Packers next year. Mm-hmm. No, we're going to see what all plays out. He's also mentioned retirement's still a possibility. So we'll see. We'll see. But I think that this could be, you know, putting him out to the nation. This is what he can do. And if he does well enough, maybe we can get him, you know, a draft pick or something for him. We have a very long history of this, actually. Not just your boy, Matt Flynn, but I'm glad you brought him up. Lots of parallels there. Uh, but the Packers used to do this all the time under Mike Holmgren. This was our thing. Oh, back in the Holmgren days, we were, Good Lord. we were QB school. We really were. Hasselbeck, Kurt Warner, kind of. Eh. Yeah. Kind of. He was on the team, technically. He was technically. in training camp for yeah. a hot second. We're going to count it. Aaron Brooks. There's a scene in the Kurt Warner movie where he's in the Packers. I've seen it from I was, the previous. I was wondering. Honestly, I, I saw some some clips. I'm like, are they going to show? They, they are. going to show it? That makes me excited. Obviously, it's the best days of his life, clearly. I think John Gruden was part of the offensive staff at that point. He so was. That's probably why we, we missed that one. Probably, yeah. Good call. Good call. Used to love you, not anymore. <laughs> Don't be a piece of crap, John Gruden. That's it. words to live by, right? So we used to do this all the time. I would love to get back into it. That'd be great. Obviously, it's an important game for Jordan Love in that way. If Rodgers leaves or retires, it's also the organization needs to know what we have on some level. Yeah, because if he shits the bed this game, and we know Rogers. He did say this week that he's going to decide early, so we should know before the draft. Correct. So thank God. If Love shits the bed and Rogers says he's outie, then let's draft another quarterback. 
I doubt we'd do it first or second round, but maybe you take somebody in the third, fourth, fifth. A little bit less pressure you know, on Jordan was, Love. There was once a time when we drafted a wonderful quarterback in the seventh round. Okay, let's let's calm down. Out of LSU. <clears throat> Mefflin. Devin, we're going to get there. Just calm down. Um, so, big game all the way around. Big game all the way around to see what Jordan Love can do. And I'm, as a lover of not great football players, Devin, we both, as we both are. This is who we are. If you guys haven't caught on by now. This is 100% who we are. I want to see Vernon Scott out there, right? I want to see Jawan Winfrey out there. I want to see all these random people that you don't even realize are on the field occasionally. They get a couple snaps a game. That's it. Those are our guys, Devin. I want to see Jack Heflin go out there and play some snaps. I look forward to seeing Jack Heflin. I mean, I want to see maybe see David Moore catch some, you know, catch some passes out there. Yeah. See, you know, see Tyler Davis is tight end one. Love it. More teep of the better. <laughs> You wanna know who I don't want to see out there? Ty Summers. Well, no, because we don't have any other inside backers besides uh, Burks. We have Isaiah McDuffie. That's true. Who looks That's like a, a TV character who I would love dearly. That's not who I don't want to see. Cause I already. I, oh you, God, give me give me a hint. Offense or defense? Defense. We've already talked about it on this show. We talk about a lot of people on this show. Kevin have, King. Nope. Position. Same. As Kevin King. Shamar Jean Charles. No, no I definitely mean, want to see him. Shamar. No, it's Isaac Yato. 100%. Do not want to see him. God, he's awful. <laughs> he was awful on the Giants. He's awful here. So, yeah, don't, don't need to see him at all. The offensive game plan, once he enters the game, it's like, oh, whoever's on his side of the field, thrown to him. Exactly. Guaranteed. I want to see EQ be wide out one. You know, this would be great. I love this. I is, live for this. Especially with his brother, Amonra. It's been going off the past few weeks. Just, just, the, just shut that down. Yeah. The St. Brown brother brawl. Let's do it. Put him in his place. I mean, EQ is the older brother, right? And, dude, he's he is physical and he is nasty. Giants. I want to see him truck some people. Their uh, Fun fact, you probably knew this. Their father, famous bodybuilder. I did not know that. Yeah. Thank you, sir. There you go. You can look him up. But great names. Both good receivers. I'll give EQ that. I'll say he's not terrible. He's gotten a lot better, and this season he's only had limited opportunities, and I think he has seized most of those opportunities. I would agree. Obviously, Amon Ra's been playing out of his mind recently. They've been utilizing him really well in Detroit because he's their only offense at this point. He's looked really good. I think that while Mr. Stokes is still in, he'll be covering Amon Ra. Last few games, last week against the Seahawks, had eight catches for uh, 111 yards and a touchdown. Before that, nine for ninety-one and touchdown. Before that, eight for ninety and a touchdown. So he's been getting high volume. Like you said, focal piece of the offense. Him and Hawkinson. That is the offense. They've been using uh, St. Brown in the backfield a couple times, which I creative. I like it. Um, yeah, they're basically just forcing him the ball, forcing themselves to find ways to get him the ball, which is really interesting for a wide receiver who wasn't super heralded coming out of college. Like good pedigree. Went to USC, had a good college career. I don't want to say he fell, but he wasn't that top-tier wide receiver because there's nothing about him that is outstanding. No, I'd agree with that. But he shows up. He's a good football player. So I'm interested to see see what he has. St. Brown Brawl. I like that. Good job. You're welcome. All right. Do you want to go look at the rest of the NFC playoff picture? What do you want to go now? Yeah, let's let's go over that before I got your little your little sum for you. So yeah, let's uh, 
What's the playoff picture look like outside of us on top? Because, you know, we're the best. I think let's, let's start with a little side story. So Tampa Bay Buccaneers, we've got to start there. The Tampa Bay Gronkineers. Tampa Bay Gronkineers. So they nearly lost to the Jets, which is a story in and of itself. Hilarious. I think they allowed over 30 points to the Jets, and it took a Tom Brady touchdown pass to another no-name receiver. I believe his name was Grayson Jr.? Not Garrett. I'm not Grayson? Grayson? I don't know. Doesn't matter. No-name receiver for the Bucks. Never seen that pull with Tom Brady. Sarcasm. So. In the second, third quarter, it doesn't matter. Antonio Brown, apparently he has been battling an ankle injury all season. He thought that it was getting worse and didn't want to go out in the field. There's a whole bunch of reports back and forth from him and their head coach, Bruce Arians. Arians saying today that Antonio Brown did not go to a trainer or anything. He didn't go up the proper chain of command. And he just told Arians, I'm not going back in the game. And Arians said, well, F you, you can get out. And then Antonio Brown is seeing ripping off. His his jersey, his pads, his shirt, his gloves, throwing them all in the stands. And then after that rage, he walks like across the field. Through the end zone through the while end zone. the game's going on. Never seen anything like that. Tampa Bay had the ball. It was third down. Like, important play. How did they not stop play when he was doing that is my question. I have no idea. And then as you, right before he walks into the tunnel, he gives the fans a wave. and He seemed very happy the entire time on his way to the, t- the tunnel. And there he was, was like a, jumping around stuff. Yeah, his his Uber driver afterwards, who was this? I'm sorry, folks. This guy looked like a real douchebag. His Uber driver, and he was doing a little interview of AB, and he's like, "Hey, look who's in the back seat." And then AB starts saying something, and then this guy cuts back to himself, like, "Bro, nobody wants to hear what you have to say. <laughs> this is all about AB, and you 100%. know that by putting him on your stream." Just an idiot. So, how does this affect our Packers? So Chris Godwin tore his... There's a CL involved. Yeah, I was going to say ACL. One of them. One of them. He's gone. He's gone. So Chris Godwin, who had a good game against us, and it's a title game. He's a good player. Got to go back to it, of course. Was the number one target this season. Mm-hmm. He's gone. And then Antonio Brown is now gone. Mm-hmm. It's not what he once was, but he's still a pretty damn good player. Yeah, I mean, he's really stepped up in the absence of Godwin, and Mike Evans has been battling some injuries, so he's really... He's really stepped up. I mean, he was torching people. He And especially him in the slot, I can just see Shannon Sullivan trying to cover him. And that would be terrible. Just not go over really well. But we don't have to worry about it anymore. We don't. So that definitely helps us. Um, so Buccaneers take a little bit of an L there. Mm-hmm. The Rams right now look to be the number two seed. The Bucks are three. Cowboys four. Cardinals five. The Eagles are the seventh seed. They've clinched their playoff spot. And there's one spot left in the NFC. Either goes to the Niners, who are the lead right now, or the Saints. Saints play the Rams. I'm sorry, the Saints play the Falcons, and the Niners play the Rams. So who do you want in? Because I'm kind of two, two schools of thought on this one. I don't know how to answer that question. Because we have issues with the 49ers in the past. right? We've shown that we cannot defend tight end super well. My boy, George Kittle. He's pretty good. Trey Lance's running ability makes me nervous. I mean, he started from last game, right? I think he would yeah. be starting going forward. Yeah, he, I don't know if Jim G can make it back in time. I don't know exactly what's going on with him. So that that worries me, right? But Trey Lance and Lambeau, eh, I don't know. I don't know. Um, and the other side is the Saints, but we always lose to the team that beats us in the regular season. I was just thinking the Saints, yeah. We actually just re-listened to our, our first podcast talking about that Saints game. So 
Yeah, you know, normally I would think on paper, yeah, I'd rather have the Saints, but they would do some bullshit and Taysom, man, you just you just don't know. Yeah, he could he could pull some magic. And wouldn't that be the irony, right? The guy that we cut, Taysom Hill, man, killed I us to in the playoffs. Him. I wanted to keep him so I bad. I know a lot of us did, but we chose Brian Brom or someone stupid instead. <laughs> we did. No, it wasn't Brian Brom. It was, it was Brett Hundley. It was someone dumb. Hundley Kaiser. It was one of. The, it, was it wasn't. It was Matt Flynn. I would have understood, but it wasn't. It was not. It was not. So I mean, you know, we we locked up the number one seed. I think we have to feel pretty good about the other teams that we'd be looking at, right? The Buccaneers. I mean, we got to be able to beat them now, right? Especially that NFC to. title game. I know it was obviously in January, but it was like 30s. It, was like, warm. it wasn't super cold. So I think the chances are we have a colder game if we have them again this year. Yep. But the Bucks losing AB and Chris Godwin, they're trending down a little bit. Cowboys couldn't beat a super banged up Cardinals team. I don't feel great about them either. I think that Mike McCarthy would somehow shoot himself in the foot. 100%. There'd be some terrible timeout challenge usage. It'd be glorious. Zeke does not look like the proud runner he once was. No. Tony Pollard looks pretty good, though. Pollard looks Pollard good. Pollard is the better back. But they don't. In Dallas. They don't seem to accept that, though, with the volume of carries. That's because he doesn't make like 20 mil like Zeke does. <sighs> Trying to win football games. Not worried about who gets paid more. Those wide receivers can worry you a little bit. They can. They got some skill. But Dak has. I watched the game against Arizona, and he was definitely missing some throws. People keep saying in a slump, and now that I've seen it myself, I agree with it. He's not quite back from his, I want to say, ankle injury. Yeah. He banged up something lower body earlier in the year. Mm-hmm. So he's not at 100%. You know, we've, we've beat the Rams and the Cardinals. So you... And the Rams look worse now because Stafford's decided to throw like three interceptions every game for no reason. You're not feeling cocky in those games, but you, I would feel confident Yeah, we were able to beat them before. The team I don't want to play for sure. Is the Eagles. Oh, 100%, which seems ridiculous because they're going to be the seventh seed. With their ground running game, dude, like I this, just, this could I want, be. I want no part of it. This could be one of these games where they just hold the ball. Yep. Run down our defense, keep going the ball. You know, we have a weird three and out and a miscommunication, and then they just play ball control. Jalen Hurts makes like one or two really good plays, and then that's it. And what's his face? Devontae Smith is making insane catches. Yeah, he's no, not he's good. throwing up crazy numbers, but that man can ball. You got to deal with. Jordan Howard back there because he's still Forget, around for some reason. Still a thing. Right? He's a thing. Boston Scott. Dallas Goddard. Dallas Goddard. We just cover tight ends so well. <laughs> they do have a good pass rush still. They have some pieces in the back end that are passable. It, it just, feels like a game we could lose, so I don't want to see them. I don't want to see them. I'm with you on that. Even though on paper that's the team we should we should want to see. Them or the Saints. So we will have our first round bye. But then whoever is the lowest remaining seed mm-hmm. after the first round of the wild card is who would come to Lambeau. So well, it would either be, I mean, right now it's only it's going to be the Eagles. If or, they won. Or if the Saints make it in and the Niners, instead of the Niners. I mean, it, it, most chances are it's going to be either the Saints, the Niners, or the Eagles. And I, I don't feel great about any of those. Agreed. I think the Saints, I honestly would feel the best about. I would too, except for for what happened in week one. Yeah, (laughs) if week one just didn't happen, if we didn't play them, if we lost to, I don't know, like the Texans like that instead, I would feel like we should kill the Saints. Well, you know, we're not going to make fun of of Taysom Hill like we made fun of Jameis Winston. Jameis can see. Jameis can see. Reference. (laughs) (laughs) Jameis can, in fact, see. Um, So I I guess I'd be rooting for them. And then out of the, the top seeds, 
I don't particularly want to play any of them, if I'm being honest. We got a lot of good teams here, but this our team has surprised me right against the Rams, especially against the Cardinals, mm-hmm. with how banged up we were. We've we've been asking ourselves, you know, what can this team be when we get our guys back? And we have beaten two out of the six. I mean, it's, well, honestly, two out of the top five teams in the NFC right now. I guess two yep. out of the four because you don't count us. With our team being super banged up without three guys that are all pro. Yeah, no, I agree. I agree. Uh, on paper, we're the team to beat, right, without a doubt. But we have to show up. We do. Thankfully, it goes through Lambeau, not California or Florida. Thank God, especially not Florida. All right, Man. so what are you itching your surprise here? Okay, okay, here we go. Well, I have a little a little quiz for you about your boy, Matt Flynn. I got are some you questions for you. embarrassed Matt Flynn? Maybe. I mean, you, you already got at least one of these for sure because we've talked about it, but that's okay. Seems like an odd birthday present, but we get to talk about Matt Flynn more. We do without, without just you rambling on about. If I can him. lose my my ownership for being Matt Flynn's biggest fan, <laughs> well, so I think crisis. I think the ones you're going to miss are probably before he comes to the Packers. If that makes you feel better, so try me. Let's go. All right. So, who did Matt Flynn back up in college prior to starting? Marcus Russell. Yes, which is hilarious, by the way. All right. So you already talked about this, but Matt Flynn. Drafted in what round? Seventh. And who else did we take that, that year? That same draft. Yeah. We uh, So this, folks, was Rodgers going to be his first year starting, so we were a little nervous about what we had. We were. So we also took Brian Brahm out of LSU, lefty in the second Louisville. round. He, he went to Louisville. Did I say LSU? I'm sorry. I meant Louisville. Yeah. They were red. Second round. Um, weird, right? Because Brian Brahm had all the talent Could, out of those two. He got out of the NFL so fast. So fast. We cut him before the preseason ended, and then which he went to an, Buffalo and died. Which, think about that. For a second-round pick to be cut that fast, we immediately knew Matt Flynn was the answer. Well, it's Matt Flynn. Okay, so can you name all the NFL teams Matt Flynn played for? This, And I'm including pre, like training camp and, and all that kind of stuff. So this one made Green me a little Bay. tricky. Yep. Seattle. Mm-hmm. He had a stint in Buffalo for a little bit, didn't he? Uh, correct. Oakland? Green Bay again. Yep. Not quite the right order there. You mixed up Raiders and Bills, but we're not counting order. We're just going for teams. So far, so good. How many more do I have? Three. He only actually, like, suited up for one more of these teams. Honestly, I didn't even know about one. Saints, maybe? Yep. That's the one he suited up for. Good pull on Saints, by the way. Thank you. Give me conference. Two more. Two more. Uh, AFC for both of them. Same division for both of them. What? AFC East. AFC East. Patriots? Belichick bring him in? He did. Really? I did not know that. And then, I don't know, Dolphins? Jets. Jets. The Uh, only one left in the AFC East after the Dolphins. So he played for the majority of the AFC East. Not surprised Belichick signed him. Interesting, right? So how many championships, college and professional, did Matt Flynn win? Ah. Two. When? When? Mm-hmm. So after Jamarcus left, he won the national championship, I want to say 2007. Correct. And then he won the Super Bowl with us in 2010. Yeah, so you're correct on those, but you're, you're missing one. Seattle, did he win a Super Bowl? Nope. Another one in college? Correct, 2003, his redshirt year. Oh, okay. Under Jamarcus, I'm assuming? No, under... Um, Woodson? No, Randall, I think. No idea. The guy that came before Jamarcus. No idea. No idea at all. 
Um, that's one of the, it was a all defense team. Yeah. Anyway, how did you comprise this Matt Flynn quiz? <laughs> <laughs> this is detailed. Well, I tried looking look to see if the internet had one. Mm. Uh, nope. So I had to kind of create my own. God, the effort. I'm here for you, bud. So final question, and this is mostly just another excuse to talk about this because this is the most the easiest one without a doubt. What were Matt Flynn's three best games as a Packer? Because there were three. So you had the 486 touchdown. Obviously. And then even though it was an L, when 2010, when we won the Super Bowl that year, we were like fighting for a playoff spot. And we go up to Foxborough because Rodgers got concussed uh, by the Lions. Mm-hmm. On a short week, we go up to Foxborough. And we eventually lost that game thanks to Dan Connolly, the left guard, like a 50-yard <laughs> kickoff return because all the shitty special teamers we had. But Matt Flynn took the Patriots and Bill Belichick to the wire. We were down by like four, got to like the eight-yard line, had a weird fourth and four with like 20 seconds left, and the play call just got all messed up. But we were up like 17-7 in the first half. Like he, yeah. he balled out. Yeah, he was dueling Tom Brady. Oh, my God. And then the other one. Oh, Lord. I, I was like, what's the other one? And then it just came to me, which is why I roared. We're playing Dallas. Yep. So Matt Flynn was on our team in, for the, the. This was the second time. The I four, yeah, the four, the four eighty and six touchdown game. He goes to Seattle and they cut him. And then Rodgers gets hurt again in like two thousand fourteen. I want to say. Yeah, it was either thirteen or fourteen, something like that. And we go to Dallas when they're a powerhouse, and we're down twenty six to three at halftime mm-hmm. to Dallas. I think we were on we were on winter break. Yeah, that's when I was at NIU. We were on winter break, and I was so mad. And then Matt Flynn let a comeback, and we won. It was absolutely insane. We, it sco- was, we scored every single th- drive, second half. It was incredible. It Go was an incredible game. Lacey. Because we had no shot to win that game, right? We're going up against Romo, the height of his powers, that great offense, and just Matt Flynn, man. I think Sam Shields had a pick in that game. Sam Shields had a pick. Tremont had a should have been pick. It was it was wild. Jordy was doing some things. And your boy Matt Flynn. And my boy Matt Flynn doing what he does best. He's uh he's made me a profit a few times. He has. He has. And he's made a lot of money doing not much doing else not anywhere a lot. else. <laughs> Which honestly, the dream, right? He he got to live that QB two dream. Come in for one game, make yourself a ton of money, never have to really do anything ever again. Come in a couple other times, become a folk hero. Multiple national championships, as I've learned tonight. Yeah, Super Bowl got, ring. He's got three rings. Man, man's a champion, literally. Three times over. So I don't think that Jordan Love can come anywhere close to my love for Matt Flynn. That's, that's really lofty standards. It'd be hard for anybody to do that in general. But let's hope he go out and balls out with whatever time he has against the Lions, and maybe we trade him for a draft pick, or we see what we have for the future. Yeah, either way, right? It, it's If he plays well, it's a win-win. We can ship him off, get something in return, or we feel a little bit better about the future. Just please don't play bad. And nobody get hurt. That's I'm talking to thing. every single one of you. Except Isaac Yadam. <laughs> I was just going to say. <laughs> Except for you, Isaac Yadam or Amari Rogers. You guys can get hurt all you want to. Nothing serious. Like, I mean, yeah, you're still people. Ankle. You're yeah. still people. But if you kind tweak of. something, it's kind of... Is Isaac a person? <laughs> well, folks, I got to say, I'm very happy to be back. I'm happy to have you back, bud. It's been a great episode. It's been a great birthday. I want to thank you all for... Tuning in as always. And until next time, go Pack Go. Go Pack Go.